Good morning, and peace be with you. Today we do celebrate peace that came at a very heavy cost as we remember those who gave everything so that we could worship together in a country that is free and without fear of being persecuted. So uh, today on this Memorial Day, uh, our thoughts, uh, our hearts, uh, and our prayers are for those who have gone before us and for the families that are left behind. Uh, with gratitude, we, we think of them. Um, also, uh, before uh, the announcements, I think, Bob, you get to do that today. Um, uh, I just want to, it's not in there, but I wanted to take a, a quick moment and get a tally this next Saturday, Nick, I can't, don't know how to pronounce this, Gallinatus, uh, is going to be playing. And I was just curious, I asked the men how many were coming, got a, a roll call there. How many people uh, will, will be here this next Saturday for that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, good. Nine, ten, eleven. Great. So we'll see you. I'm sorry? You got like five more people? Okay, wonderful. Very good. Well, we'll see you there. And uh, so, did you hear that? Yep, thumbs up, Ashley. I did that. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, we'll let Bob come up. Bob's epistle. Once again, a hard act to follow, and he stole my thunder anyway. I was already, already told that we need to um, talk about this uh, Nick next weekend. But we can take that, scratch that one off the list. All right. Uh, good morning, everyone. This month, uh, we're, gonna find, we're still working with the Orangewood uh, Children's Home. I think we are all aware of that. Um, and Tuesdays, of course, we have the Sit and Be Fit. And that's 10 a.m. right over here in the fellowship hall. In the Bible study, I'll bring your Bible and meet us. Once you get done with sitting fit, go right into uh, Bible study with pastor. Uh, the men's Bible study, I think most of the men are aware, is on Saturdays at 8 a.m. Donuts are usually available. Uh, sometimes more than we need. But anyway, um, on praise, on page five in your bulletin, you'll see we need prayer and, and, and a place to praise our Savior, Lord and Savior. If you would like your prayers published in the bulletin, please, um, there's, there's notices available in the back that you can sign in or talk to Ashley. And of course, the upcoming event is already covered by Pastor uh, next Saturday with Nick. Uh, should be a great uh, piano concert. And another one that uh, we really uh, want to... Uh, enunciate loudly is a VBS for adults. We are excited to announce that this summer we are having VBS for adults. Vacation Bible School for all those who came from outside the Lutheran Church. Uh, if you are interested in helping, please come to our first meeting on Wednesday, May 31st, that's this week, uh, at 11 a.m. More info and dates to come. Uh, worship assistance, um, the schedule is up for June, and of course we can always use all of your help. And as a council member, again, I would like to uh, express our appreciation for everything that you guys do uh, every month and every week. 
Uh, music, we've got Nick. Thank you so much for being here. And homebound, please consider reaching out to our members who are homebound and council well. Um, we, could, we can also use your prayers and, and, and guidance. And you know who we are, I believe. Uh, but if you don't, uh, Ed is the president, Ed Reamer. Um, I'm vice president. Susan Schaefer is the treasurer. Roger is uh, Lee, Lee Lieberg and Daryl Beck are also members. So if you have any questions or concerns, please contact us. I'm sure you, you can find us. We're always over, over there having coffee. Um, church office hours, you know those, Tuesday uh, through Thursday, 9 a.m. to 3. And then uh, Pastor Ken is in the office Tuesday through Thursday, 10 to 2. And anybody have a prayer request, please let us know. Um, we'll be glad to get it, get it taken care of. Thank you so much. <coughs> Please stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you 
and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia.
with you. Let us pray. Oh God, on this day, you once taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit. Grant us in our day, by the same Spirit, to have a right understanding in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his holy consolation through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verses 24 through 30, and this can be found on page 225 in the Pew Bible. Numbers 11, 24 through 30. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him and put it on the seventy elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but did not do so again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his Spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. We will read Psalm 25, verses 1 through 15. It's printed in your bulletin on page 6. Psalm 25, 1 through 15. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who puts, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them in his way. 
All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my inequity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. The next reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21, and this can be found on page 1692 in the Pew Bible. Acts 2, 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then who? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to, the Jew to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said that they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who, of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. 
Holy Gospel according to St. John from the seventh chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel this morning comes from John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, and can be found on page 1660 of your Pew Bible. <clears throat> John records, On the last and greatest day, of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now by this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Well, today, the Christian church on earth celebrates the new birth that we have in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit's gift of faith. You know, our moms gave us birth into this world, and the Holy Spirit has given us birth into the family of God, His church. Now, two weeks ago, the gospel told of Jesus' promise of another helper, a paraclete, not parakeet, a paraclete. Jesus' promise is written in John 14, 16. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another paraclete to be with you forever. And later on, that same evening, he spoke of the paraclete again. In John 14, 26, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. And he also said in John 15, 26, When the paraclete comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And again, he said in John 16, 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And these are but a few of the many promises that Jesus made concerning the Holy Spirit. Now today, the epistle, 
Well, it tells us how God kept these promises as the Holy Spirit revealed himself with a mighty sound and a mighty sight. There was the rumble, the rumble of a great and powerful wind, yet there was no wind. There was the tongues of flame that were resting on each of the disciples, and yet they did not get burnt up. God's people proclaimed Jesus and his work in languages that they had never spoken before. There was the revelation of the Holy Spirit to his church. Now, this amazing revelation happened at the exact time of God's choosing, for it coincided exactly with the feast of the Pentecost. Now, God had established many feasts back in the day of Moses. When God established the first Passover, he also established a feast called First Fruits, and another feast that came 50 days after first fruits. And the Greek name for this festival is Pentecost, which simply means that it comes 50 days later. Now, the ceremonial law required a pilgrimage to the temple for, for three, three of the major feasts that God gave to his people. And Pentecost was one of those three that the people had to go to, had to be there. Thus, the rumbling sound that the Holy Spirit made on that particular Pentecost, it called the entire community of Pentecost pilgrims and the God-fearing residents of Jerusalem, it called them to the house where the disciples were gathered. In effect, this was the gathering together of the Old Testament church. And as the people of the Old Testament church drew near the house, they would have encountered people who told them who Jesus was and what he had come and what he had done for their salvation. These people did not speak the lofty language of Hebrew of the temple. The people that were telling those pilgrims coming to that house, they were telling them about Jesus, not in the lofty, highfalutin word of the Hebrew temple, nor did they speak in the street language of Aramaic, they weren't speaking to these people in the commercial language of Greek or even the, the legal language of Latin. But as these pilgrims drew near, they learned. They learned and they heard the story of salvation in each of their own native language. Think about that. The language that these people were hearing about Jesus Christ was the same language that they heard from their mother and from their father in the homes that they grew up in through childhood. Astounding. 
All these amazing things were the Holy Spirit's means to accomplish the goal of gathering together his Old Testament church and telling her that her waiting was over, that the New Testament had begun. The Pentecost pilgrims and the other righteous people who gathered together on that day had been looking forward to the Messiah. They had been keeping the ceremonial law of circumcisions and all of the sacrifices and all of the other customs as a reminder that one day the Messiah would come and one day the Messiah would fulfill all the law and offer himself up as a sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Their faith looked into the future Messiah who was to come. And now, that day, that very special Pentecost, the Holy Spirit gathered the church together to tell her that the Messiah had come. He had come in the person of Jesus, of Nazareth. And he is the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. And on this particular Pentecost, the Holy Spirit called together the Old Testament church and transformed her into the New Testament church. Now, amid all the amazing things that happened on that particular Pentecost, it is easy to confuse God's goal with the means that he used to accomplish that goal. After all, this is pretty exciting stuff. Imagine a sound of a mighty wind, the appearance of what looks like flames of fire, and suddenly the ability to speak and understand a foreign language. It is easy to get distracted by all of these things and forget the main goal. What is the main goal? The goal of creating faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, when people confuse the means with the goal, they get confused about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Some treat him like a great spiritual vending machine in the sky that disperses good things. Some expect the Holy Spirit to make them instantly fluent in some strange language. Some think that the Holy Spirit is there to give them an extra boost of spiritual power. And others think that the Holy Spirit will get them in touch with the cosmic forces of the universe. And still others somehow equate the presence of the Holy Spirit with their state of emotion at the time. In recent years, and today, the confusion about the work of the Holy Spirit has spilled over into our worship. Our cultural, culture's focus is on feelings. 
instead of facts. And that has led many to think that worship is about feelings. Instead of focusing on how God deals with us in Christ, we, we focus on how we feel about God in our hearts. Some even pray and sing and preach about our feelings. Many, many, many Christians talk about an atmosphere of worship, the mood of worship or a feeling of worship. Worship is often described in blatantly emotional terms. Here's a, here's a list. The worship was moving. It was stimulating. It was stirring, exciting, inspiring, exhilarating, and sometimes even intoxicating. Okay, so don't get me wrong. Need to head that one off at the pass. I'm not saying that we can't get excited or emotional about the salvation that Jesus Christ has earned for us with his death on the cross. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, you would have to be dead to not feel sorrow on Good Friday or elation on Easter. But what I am saying is that our feelings, our senses, our attitudes are not reliable indications of the Holy Spirit's presence, nor are they indications of his work. It's very, very seductive to talk about the Holy Spirit at work when we are upbeat and cheerful and excited and, and so forth. While it is easy to link positive emotions to the presence of the Spirit, there is a flip side to that idea. Let me ask you this. Consider this. You see, if positive emotions indicate the presence of the Spirit, do negative emotions indicate His absence? No. For example, what about those days... Some of you, all of you have had them. But what about those bad days when we slam doors or throw things or, or say heck or yell at family or maybe send the kids to their room? What about those times when we are so grouchy that we want to slap the silly off of somebody? or give that annoying one a swift kick? What about those days when we don't feel very Christian? Are those signs that the Holy Spirit has abandoned us? Certainly not. You see, our emotions, they go up and they go down every day. Sometimes we even carry conflicting emotions within us. Every Christian has a unique set of emotions. If we relied 
on our emotions to guide us, well then one person could claim a revelation from God that directly contradicted another person's revelation from God. We could even contradict ourselves from one day to the next. And, and <laughs> thank you, Lord. God doesn't work that way. He just doesn't. God has chosen not to communicate to us through our fluctuating emotions. God has chosen to communicate to us through his never-changing, always-stable, ever-trustworthy word. All the marvelous signs of that one special Pentecost were the means that the Holy Spirit used to get his word to the church. And when the devout men from every nation under heaven came together, each one heard them speak in his own language. And they heard about the mighty works of God. And they heard about the perfect life of Jesus, his sacrificial death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his future return. They heard that this work of Jesus forgives sins and makes us holy in God's sight. They heard the faith in this Jesus received all the gifts he earned for us on the cross. The Holy Spirit was at work through the word of God. And on the day after, on the day after that special Pentecost, there was no sound of a mighty wind. The tongues of fire had gone away. And the people spoke simply in their own language. But regardless of that, the Holy Spirit was still very much at work. The story goes on after today's epistle and says in Acts 2.47, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And God's church still had his word. And the Holy Spirit continued to work through the Word. Man, the Holy Spirit still works through the Word of God. It has always been that way, and it will always be that way. And the true sign of the Holy Spirit at work is the proclamation of God's Word. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus, who is the God-man who saved us from sin with his suffering and his death on the cross and the promises of giving us life everlasting with his resurrection. The Holy Spirit works through God's word when we hear it with our ears, when we read it with our eyes, and when we experience that word in the water of holy baptism, and when we receive it in the true body and the true blood of Jesus, in the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper, supper the Holy Spirit is at work when we confess our faith before each other and when we confess our faith before those 
who do not know Jesus yet. In today's epistle, the Holy Spirit used light and sound to call the church to hear the proclamation that the Messiah that they had been waiting for had indeed come in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And the Holy Spirit transformed the Old Testament church into the New Testament church. And the Holy Spirit continues building the New Testament church to this very day. The Holy Spirit still calls us by the gospel, enlightens us with his gifts, sanctifies and keeps us in the true faith. And as he gives each of us new birth into the Holy Christian Church, so also he calls, he gathers, he enlightens, and he sanctifies that whole Christian church on earth and keeps her in the one true faith. The paraclete. The paraclete enables us to say this. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. And on the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. In the name of Jesus, amen.
you please stand if you're able? Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, God Almighty and Heavenly Father, we gather this morning as one to praise your holy name, to give thanks for your only Son, Jesus, our Savior, and for the Holy Spirit who guides our daily lives and keeps us in the one true faith to the saving grace of your Son. Heavenly Father, on this Memorial Day weekend, we give you thanks for the members of the United States Armed Forces who have lost their lives defending the people and freedoms of our country since our founding nearly 250 years ago, as well as protecting the people of other countries who have faced and still face today oppressive and destructive leaders inspired by Satan. Holy Spirit, as we gather with family and friends this weekend, help us to not forget the true meaning of the vast and terrible personal sacrifices represented in our national memorial celebration. Help us to pause quietly, even for a moment, to reflect and consider the incredible cost borne by individual patriotic Americans and their families to protect the welfare and freedoms of our nation. Let us consider whether or not our society today honors such sacrifices, and if not, to change our ways to respect those who place the welfare of others before themselves. Also, Holy Spirit, though no foreign power has ever defeated our nation and eliminated our freedoms, including our freedom to worship you, we face a real threat today by members of our own society including government leaders, to defeat our form of government and outlaw our Judeo-Christian faith. Help us, Lord, as this attack is also upon you. Help our younger generations see the threat clearly and respond with steadfast faith and trust in you. Holy Father, we give you thanks for the men and women serving in law enforcement positions throughout the United States. 
We're faced with lawlessness and chaos in our major cities, including personal attacks on the individuals we depend upon to guard our safety. Please guide them to perform honorably and protect them all from harm. Lord, we can see that our large cities have become more akin to Sodom and Gomorrah than the centers of cultural diversity, peace, and prosperity they once were. We also know that you will not tolerate this evil forever, and your discipline is well documented in Holy Scripture. As in the past, we the faithful once again pray that you would allow us time to address the problems we've created before lifting your hand against us. For the sake of a few, Lord. We pray for those who are lonely, distraught, fearful, in despair, or frustrated and angry. We pray for healing for those who are sick in mind or body, and for those who fear medical prognoses and treatments. We pray for miracles and know that you provide them where it is your will. We pray for healing and broken personal relationships. Help us to shed pride and yield to one another. We pray for those who travel during this holiday week, that their journeys be safe and that their time away would be refreshing and joyful. Holy Father, we give thanks this Sunday as we celebrate Pentecost, when your Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and disciples of Christ to empower them, and now us, to spread the gospel of Jesus our Savior. It is only because of the Holy Spirit's presence in our hearts and souls that we have been given our faith and remain faithful even when under attack by satanic spirits, which appear prevalent in our society today. We don't know why you chose us to provide the gift of faith in Jesus, but we're eternally grateful, literally. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding us of our Heavenly Father's commandments for our lives when we stray due to evil influence, and for causing remorse in our hearts as we try to correct our transgressions. Thank you for remaining within us all the days of our lives as our heavenly counselor and companion until Jesus calls us home. Thank you, Holy Father, for our small congregation of faithful Christians and the pastor you have provided us. Please continue to guide us in our faith and to support one another as we all face life's difficulties. Holy Spirit, by your power, we pray that you would open the hearts and minds of all who either deny Jesus as the Lord's God's only Son and our Savior, or who are in doubt. Please give us the best words or actions to employ as we approach the unfaithful to show Jesus' saving grace. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we command all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace.
Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord. Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who rose beyond the bounds of death and on this day, as he had promised, poured out your Holy Spirit of life and power upon the chosen disciples. And at this, the whole earth exalts in boundless joy. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body that is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together in faith the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus promises to, to meet us where we're at. This morning and every morning, he meets us in his supper, his holy supper, the true body, the true blood. It does, and it is a means of grace. 
that covers you in Christ's righteousness, that rescues you from sin, death, and the devil. If this is your confession, then come. The table is prepared, and the usher will bring you forward. Now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our sending song this morning is uh, one that you have heard before, Onward Christian Soldiers.